Queen, how are you? I am in transparency at the time of recording today's episode. I was feeling like fine, but in a little bit of this like, mm, not elated. And I really like to feel elated. I was just feeling fine. And then I looked at my calendar and saw that I was interviewing today's guest, Catherine Woodward Thomas. And I was like, well, it's going to be a great day now. She just knows how to breathe life into you, your dreams, particularly your love life, but anything you want to manifest. And this conversation, it's just going to bless you in the biggest ways. So I want you to just give yourself these moments and these minutes to soak in her wisdom, her heart, her high vibration, her limitless realm of possibility. And particularly for anybody really challenged in the school of love, Catherine is a true, true master. And for the rest of you, because I know I always like skim over the podcast. It's like, I don't know anything about relationships. It's whether you want to manifest a relationship or anything else in your life, she is the woman to listen to. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Catherine Woodward Thomas, who is a New York Times bestselling author of Calling in the One, Seven Weeks to Attract the Love of Your Life. She's also the author of Conscious Uncoupling, Five Steps to Living Happily Even After. And she's also an award-winning psychotherapist and landed at number one on the Billboard charts in the jazz category as a singer-songwriter. This woman knows no limits. Catherine is a teacher to thousands from all corners of the world in her virtual learning communities, including the Conscious Uncoupling Quest with Mind Valley, and she's trained and certified hundreds of people as coaches of her work. So enjoy. If you're chronically struggling in love, it's likely because it's outside of the identity you formed your relational identity in childhood, it's outside of that identity to have it. It's very hard for us to hold on to things we don't, you know, and I mean, a lot of what you're doing in business and success, you're forming the identity. You are a divine queen. Mm -hmm. That's an identity and wealth comes from the identity. You've gotten great at divine working, but what about divine living? Welcome to the Divine Living Podcast. I'm your host, Gina DeVee. You're not alone in wanting more. And here at the Divine Living Podcast, you can expect to be part of conversations from women like us who unapologetically dream big and are obsessed with manifesting our most fabulous lives. The conversation starts now. Divine Living Queens, you are just going to be so delighted with our guest, with our topic, and with the depth of wisdom that is about to just pour into every cell of your being and, more importantly, your love life. <laughs> Catherine Woodward Thomas is here. Catherine, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. Oh, Gina, thank you. It's a joy to be here with everyone to talk about love and how to create magic in that realm of our lives. Oh, goodness. Well, I know our Divine Living Queens are just going to be so thrilled about this because I don't talk a lot about love. You know, we talk about a lot of subjects here at Divine Living, manifesting and the wealth creation process and spiritual stuff and lifestyle. And for those of you that don't know, 
not only the reason that I was able to call in my soulmate, but keep him, more importantly, <laughs> is because of Catherine Woodward Thomas. And, you know, Glenn has always, I, people ask, how's Glenn? And I say, he's the easiest part of my life. So like, there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> I never do podcasts on love. So for all of you that keep asking about the real depth and the mastery around it, you are, you are with the woman you need to be with. So Catherine, I, so I recommend calling in the one to all of my people. It's in all of our course programs in like the the A-list accelerators before they begin the reading list. This is what you should read because whether or not you're looking to call in love, it's like such the course on feminine mastery, in my opinion. And you rewrote this best-selling book. Talk to us about this. Well, so Calling in the One, first of all, I wrote Calling in the One because my love life was the hardest part of my life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I think it's what qualifies me. So even though I've got, you know, all of these credentials, my true credential is that I suffered with terribly painful, disappointing patterns in this area. And it was something that I just so yearned for because I had a childhood that was extremely chaotic. And um, my poor mom was barely out of her teenage years when she had me and was ill-equipped to be a mother and had her tension divided between trying to go to college and create a career and being my mother. Her husband left her, my dad. So all sorts of chaos, relational traumas. So not having love really defined my childhood. So it was double important for me to find love when I became an adult. But of course, those of us who've been through relational traumas of our childhood know that that actually sets us up for trouble in our adult relationships. And of course, I was kind of a poster child for that with just one heartache after another. I had a particular pattern, Gina, of unavailable people. And that looked like married people Mm. constantly. Like Mm. one married man after another. Sometimes I'd fall into the pit and then I'd hate myself for, you know, being the other woman and, you know, go through all the suffering that that entailed and lose self-respect and, you know, be villainized by other people and, you know, just all sorts of uh, karma, negative karma being created by that. But married people, engaged people, alcoholic people, commitment phobic people, For a time, I was working down on Skid Row. I was an art therapist and I had uh, this program for parolees who were getting out of men who were getting out of prison, but who were homeless. So then they would, of course, you know, go to remarkable lengths to seduce me. So completely like ridiculous loves, impossible loves, you know, all of these. Equal opportunity mess. Equal opportunity math. No, it didn't matter what race you were. It didn't matter your age. It didn't matter what gender you were. I mean, (laughs) the only thing that was your qualification for me is that you were not available and you would not really show up for me in key moments. So we're laughing now because it's not like that anymore. But when Mm. you're going through that, it's like you live with this chronic sense of disappointment, this chronic, it's like, it's like being in the equivalent of if you're in chronic physical pain on an emotional level. Wow. Wow. Right. So of course, those of us who endure these kinds of patterns, we still manage to make our lives meaningful and beautiful and we show up and we give our love in places that matter. So it's not like, you know, that defines us totally, but it's on some level, it feels like it's so unfair. 
mm-hmm. because some people get to have love. It's so unfair. It's so unfair that I had this really screwed up childhood and now I have to have a screwed up adulthood. It's so unfair. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I couldn't figure it out. I was a therapist. You know, if there, most therapists become therapists because they're trying to sort things out for themselves and somehow they wind up in school Preach. to become therapists. Like if I really, if I, if I help <laughs> other people get this right, then maybe I can get this right. But then what ends up happening for me anyway, I don't know, for some therapists, is then you're helping other people have great relationships and you're coming home to your, you know, your kitty cat at the end of the day. Right. <laughs> Is that that this was going on? So anyway, it wasn't until I learned about these metaphysical principles, standing for a future mm-hmm. that isn't going to happen unless you commit to it happening, beginning to define oneself according to that future as opposed to the past. Mm-hmm. I could do a whole three-hour talk on that right there. I was just going to say, I'm going to jump in on that one because I think this one is so key. Like anytime someone's looking to manifest anything, especially, especially love, doesn't the brain just search for all the reasons why it can't happen for you, all the data and the 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 hardcore data on this didn't happen in the past. Why would you think it's going to happen in the future or more? Well, like and we think, and I get to say this because I'm a therapist, <laughs> there's like a, there's like this myth out there in the background that if I go back to my childhood and if I understand it enough, if I heal the trauma enough. Somehow one day I'll wake up and I'll be free to create something else. It doesn't work that way. Okay. Now I'm not negating the need for connecting the dots, the need for healing, the need for grieving what you didn't get. But unless you actually have a future where you're kind of called to become who you'd need to be in that future for it to go well, Hmm. you're not really transforming that pattern. You're healing, but you're mm-hmm. not transforming. So more of the same will continue to show up in your life. So if you really want to create something you've never had, you've always been in poverty and lack in some area, mm-hmm. and then you want to create wealth in mm-hmm. that area, you have to ask yourself, like, who am I as a person who is loved, who is supported, who is seen, who is honored, who is cherished, who is completely self-expressed. Who am I in that? Because it's a different identity than the identity that I formed in response to being disappointed in love when I was a kid. And in some way, Gina, if we keep going back to the past, we are going to, in some way, solidify the identity and reinforce that I'm alone. I'm not wanted. I'm not safe. Mm-hmm. So we keep going back there and it just at some point reinforces that and it's all we know. And wherever you're centered at the level of identity is where you're generating life from. Talk more about that. So there are ways of being that are organic to the consciousness of I'm alone. I'm self-sufficient up the yin yang. Mm-hmm. I'm much more comfortable with giving than receiving. I avoid conflict like the plague because I assume it's the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. Right? So all of these ways of relating. So I can go back and heal the fact that my mother left me in the crib crying for hours at a time. Nobody was really there for me. I can feel the grief of that. I can heal that. I can even, you know, feel sad for that part of myself or connect with that little younger self and send love to that self. But the truth is until I actually identify the habitual 
ways that I now show up that I now formed like it's me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's me to jump just a very independent person. Mm. Right? No, actually, that was a compensation for who you had to become inside of the story, I'm alone. So when you take a stand for the future and you begin to try on that future, like what it feels like to have someone actually partner with you, actually capable of showing up and meeting you, and you imagine that you can really talk authentically and work out conflicts and deepen love from conflicts as opposed to destroy it. Then you say, well, what is that self? And then you have to start showing up from that self. So then I take the risk to let people in or I let myself receive. I expand my capacity to receive or I start to learn how to engage conflict in a way that is healthy and necessary for authentic relationships. Okay, so I have a question. So when someone is taking a stand for this future self of who they want to be in relationship, they have no actual experience of it so far. So they have to imagine I'm, what this would be like, what it would right. feel like, what it would look like. Right. And so does it feel like a lie? Does it feel like a fantasy at the beginning? Or do you have to like be rooted in certainty and groundedness? I don't think you have to be rooted in certainty. I like to say that even 3% of you can begin to grasp that vision to turn your attention there to stick your foot in that opening and start to spend time there. What does it feel like? And you bring it into the senses. You know, this is what we've learned about, you know, feeling into the future, what visioning really is. It's about trying that future on. And it helps us to ground in the senses. What does the omelet taste like that my beloved just made for me? Mm. What do the flowers smell like that that person just brought for me from our garden? Because I want to... I want to make sure everyone just really feels supported here because I think women put such pressure on themselves to think that they already have to like be confident in this new vision. And what Catherine's saying here is you cultivate it. You you develop that that confidence and that certainty starting with a 3%. Well, and I think, you know, this is the dilemma that we're in is that People just say, well, you just have to believe it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, how do you believe it if you've never had any evidence of it? Mm -hmm. And if you, as a matter of fact, if you've collected a lot of evidence to the contrary. Exactly. This is the key. The key is to start to see yourself as the source of the evidence. Say this again. Okay. So the key to emancipation, to liberation, Mm -hmm. is actually seeing yourself as the source of the pattern. Now, that in some ways seems like an assault or like, hey, it's not my fault that, you know, all men are narcissists or, you know, mm-hmm. that there's this oppression in the culture or that there aren't enough good black men out there because of the how society puts so many black men in prison. Like there are things in the world mm-hmm. and I'm not negating the challenges, the obstacles that are in the world. However, what I am inviting us to do is to kind of press the pause button on those conversations and look from the perspective of I am the cause of my life. I am the cause of my experience because it's inside of seeing clearly that, oh, see, inside of this I am alone conversation, that was the meaning I made 
in response to the neglect I suffered. Like the neglect happened. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my fault. I made the meaning, I'm alone. And then I have grown myself in that direction. And I show up now in my adult relationships, very quick to close my heart when somebody disappoints me, kind of cut them off rather than move towards them to do what we call relationship enhancement. I'll move into self-protective mode, right? You, you narrow it down to that moment and you see, well, well, if I'm walking around with that level of self-protection or if I'm walking around and nobody can really find their way in, they say, how are you? I say, I'm good. How are you? Tell me all about you. Mm-hmm. Nobody can get in or there's some way that I'm off-putting energetically, just a little defended. People will try, but then they'll give up. So I'm actually causing my own aloneness. So on a conscious level, I want love. Mm-hmm. I'm sad that I don't have it, but I'm literally generating my own aloneness. So it's in seeing that clearly that then we can say, what is really true about this idea that I'm all alone? Well, that was just, you know, a two year old. Mm-hmm. Who interpreted like that. The truth is I didn't come to the planet to be alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a desire for love and I have the power to create that. I have the power to learn how to create relationships that are rich and true and honest and committed and loyal. I know how to learn. I can learn to how to do this too. So right? we're the That's source the either way. We're the source of our lack and we're the source of our abundance. Yes, thank you. And so then we say, well, how are you going to generate that? Well, when somebody disappoints me, my instinct is to shut down and go into self-protective mode. F you, I don't really need you anyway. But what I know that cultivates relationship is to pick up the phone instead and say, look, I'm hurt about this and you matter to me. So I'd like to see if we could work this out, please. Mm. Mm. Right? Like just that simple choice, that level of self-conscious self-awareness where you know what you do that's generating your own aloneness and the ability to make a different choice opens up a whole universe. Suddenly that 3% is going to go to 7%. Oh, I get it now. I really do. And that because something happens in that exchange. And what happens is generally love will deepen. Hmm. You know. Oh my gosh, honey, I didn't understand that about you. I'm so sorry. I hurt your feelings. Here, from now on, I'm going to do it this way instead. Does that work for you? Seven percent's gone to fourteen percent. That's where you start to build the consciousness. So the reason why it's hard for us, well, just you got to believe it's true, is because we're not aware of how we ourselves are generating the experiences that we are having. It's amazing to me how grown, educated, well-meaning, spiritually connected adults are so, and, you know, and I say this in compassion, I say to my, my, about myself and others, like, it's the simplest communication that feels the most difficult. And like, it's, I think it's just amazing how much adult interaction is like, a bunch of four-year-olds wandering around, getting their feelings hurt and not having the tools. Yeah. And and so, you know, what's happening, it's interesting because we're at this very amazing time in, in our own collective evolution 
where we're we're moving from hierarchical relationships mm-hmm. where you know you had the model of the 60s for example or the 70s where you had the one the breadwinner and then you had the person who's like supporting that person and really it's about that person who's out there making the money so we're moving into we've moved into in the last maybe 20 30 years this Love between equals, as my friend Polly Young Eisendrath would calls it, love between equals, where we're where our vision of love, our hunger for love, is about being with someone who gets us, who sees us, where there's mutual support, there's spiritual companionship, there's sexual companionship and fulfillment. There's where someone we want someone who's our best friend and. You know, all of these things that we want where we're sharing power, we each hold power in that relationship. And that requires development. That requires that we grow in that direction. So when you're trying on the self of your future, this question, who am I in this future fulfilled? What does it feel like to be me loved? You have to kind of go outside of your story. Uh, Sometimes you have to actually, if the wounding was very young, you have to ask yourself that Buddhist question, what's the face you had before you were born? Mm. You kind of have to go down to a very deep level into the essence of who you are and start to build from there, you know, and wake yourself up out of the trance. You know, there is a part of you that formed this identity of aloneness. It has informed how you then have grown yourself, how you respond, how you interpret life, how you respond to life in ways that are designed to keep that story alive. And the fulfillment of love for most of us you know, we are winning at business. We are winning at parenting. We are winning at socially or in our health. But if you're chronically struggling in love, it's likely because it's outside of the identity you formed, your relational identity in childhood. It's outside of that identity to have it. It's very hard for us to hold on to things we don't you know, and I mean, a lot of what you're doing in, in business and success, you're forming the identity. You are a divine queen. Mm-hmm. That's an identity. And and wealth comes from the identity. I remember when I was working with you, for those of you that don't know, I was a client of Catherine's during my dating stages and, and, and pre-Glen. And, you know, so for anyone just feeling like you're walking in the dark with it, I was unaware of the other people's rules and outdated rules that I was carrying because I think what you're talking about with this identity, I just held them as fact. You know, my mother always told me, well, you better marry a rich man. And sadly for me, Glenn wasn't rich when I met him. And I was like, well, this can't can't be. And Catherine, I remember you said, well, something about like, why is it important to you that he make more money than you? And it was like, what? Like it, I never challenged that belief and I never looked within to see, was that actually important to me that my partner made more money? It like blew my mind open. And what actually blew my mind open even more was the answer was that it wasn't what was more important to me. Well, isn't that great? So you made it conscious, but look at how important that question was too, because then you thought what's, what's actually important to me is money, the having of money. Yes. Yes. And I could do that. 
Right. Like, why does he need to do that? It I can do that. <laughs> it didn't actually, again, sadly for me, that was not part of my highest value system, that it was a non-negotiable that my man made more money than me. But we all, we, we got over that one. <laughs> but, but it was freeing at the same time, because I, I think what I want to say is what this identity piece that Catherine's talking about, there's nothing that feels better that when you have consciously chosen your own identity. And I was blind to the fact that I was carrying around other people's rules. Yeah. Beautiful. That was great. So I rewrote the book. I rewrote a third of the book. Now the book's been out since 2004. It sold a quarter of a million copies. Catherine! It's like, you know, it has been so helpful to people and there's things that are outdated in it. So originally when I said I'm going to update the book, I went back in just to update the things that were outdated, things like, you know, certain reference points to online dating or how people date, you know, because back in 2002 when I wrote the book, Mm -hmm. it was a very different scene than it is now. So I originally meant to do that, but, you know, once you start opening that hornet's (laughs) nest up, because writing the book happened... Um, out of my own causing a miracle for myself. And I just wanted to pay it forward. Oh, this is what I did that created this miracle for me. And I'm now happy in love. And I have this child. I gave birth to my first baby at 43. And um, so it was such a joy that I could cause this shift that I wanted to just share it with other people. And it became a bestseller within a few weeks. And I have been teaching it now to tens of thousands of people have probably personally brought about 60,000 people through the whole process. So I have been learning about what streamlines the process. And Mm -hmm. so what ended up happening is I rewrote and I added a lot. So I just clarified certain things. If things were not really crisp and clean, if I kind of wandered in my meandering, you know, train of thought, I brought things into focus. focus. (laughs) This book is like, you know, basically unimprovable. And the fact that she was able to, so many years later, add even more of her life wisdom is going to be a gift to us all, I know. One of the things I really appreciate about the book, I'm assuming this is in the new version as well, there's the the subjects and the explanations and then there's the exercises. Yeah. And that like, you know, this for this subject that can be so kind of ungrounding, you know, like the exercises, they'll just bring it into your psyche and your body and your soul. And I don't know, have a very big subject feel very manageable. Absolutely. It's broken down into what I call lessons, 49 lessons, where we're looking at just a sliver today, just Mm -hmm. a sliver. How, what are the parts of yourself that you have disowned that need to be reclaimed? Or another day, which is, has to do with how have you internalized the worst of your parents? And, you know, what do you, how are you treating yourself in ways that are kind of the worst of your parents? What would it look like to treat yourself differently? It's really kind of breaking self-love down into, you know, what exactly are you feeling? How do you increase your emotional literacy? What's the commitment that you want from another? Have you made that commitment to yourself? How to do that? So each day focuses on a piece of the pie. The, The new book... 
I've also trained hundreds of coaches. So I've become so clear about how to fast track transformation mm-hmm. that I had the the wonderful task of taking, because the, the book has a certain magical quality to it too. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of scary getting in there. I mean, I, I wrote the book very prayerfully, very prayerfully. What do, you, what do we want to say? It was very, it was very, it's a very spiritual process to write the book. So to rewrite the book was a little scary because I didn't want to mess with the magic because yes. people write me all the time. They say, oh, I just bought Calling in the One. I put it on my bedside and suddenly a boyfriend from five years ago who I've never been complete with called me the next day to apologize. I mean, it's just that kind of magic constantly. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to streamline without taking away the magic. So I think I was successful in doing that. I'll wait to hear from readers on it. Um oh. but- I'm I'm really proud of it. Now it feels congruent and consistent and the best of of what we've really developed here in the last in the last couple of decades. Amazing. What's the big the, the main piece you want readers to take away from the book? Well, I think when people get to the end of the book, they go, Oh, I get it. Calling in the one was calling in me. Mm. Because you have to really, you know, your relationship with yourself is the most important relationship and your relationship with others can't actually be better than your relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that most people who kind of know that they need to become better at self-love, I don't think people know the roadmap to that. Right. I think that it becomes almost like, you know, I I remember being single and people saying, well, you have to love yourself before you can love another. And I would be like, oh, F you, really? Thank you. Like, (laughs) you know, how do you love yourself when you haven't actually been loved? Mm -hmm. How do you love yourself? And you have this impossible mountain to climb before you can be loved by another person. It just seems like, oh, I've got, you know, 20 years of therapy ahead of me before I can do this. Calling the one breaks it all down breaks it all down. By the end of the the book, you know, whether or not you have the one in your life, your life will be radically transformed for the better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People go back to college, they adopt children, they lose 50 pounds, they do all sorts of things just from getting into integrity and alignment with the highest and the best of who they are. Well, Catherine's work, like I said, uh, you know, I met Don and I started dating in 2004 when the book came out. So like I, I breezed through it from that aspect. But I deepened into it. All of Catherine's work to me is about powerfully manifesting. So oh, yeah. Entrepreneurs out there, like don't think like, oh, I don't need to. I already have my partner. Like get this book. Because if you want the feminine way to manifest, this isn't mm-hmm. about hustle and massive action. I'm sure you've already gotten that vibe here. This is about deep, soulful, feminine, miraculous vortex that you cannot do on your own without the spiritual realm manifesting. Yeah. Thank you, Gina. It, it's kind of getting into the the magic lane of life. Yes. Ooh, I love that. I love that. So what's, um, give us a little sneak peek. What's your favorite part of the new book? Oh gosh. You know, I'm in that bliss state. I, you know, first of all, let me just qualify this because you know, I'm the first one to tell you if I've if I've missed the mark on something. I'm pretty transparent about it. So I'm very fluid when I've really got it right. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the whole thing is amazing. I think it is good. If I just open it up yes. wherever I am, I'm like, oh, this is actually really good. I did that with conscious uncoupling too. Afterwards, I was like, wow, I hit it out of the ballpark. You know, I think we have to celebrate ourselves when we got Absolutely. it right. I've been really working on this book now for 20 years, working with thousands and thousands of people. So I think that it's pretty magical. And I do think that it explains the process of transformation across the board. You could read it and substitute money. Mm -hmm. You could read it and substitute health. You could read it and substitute, you know, great relationships across the board. Mm -hmm. You could be married and having a troubled relationship and you can bring that relationship into and read it from there. Some of the, some of the churches uh, of the science of mind have actually used it as one of their textbooks to train practitioners because mm -hmm. it's really about possibility consciousness. What's the future I'm standing for? What's the mindset of how I get from here to there? Mm -hmm. And it kind of, it walks you through. It is your companions, you know, each day to oh. get you from where you are to where you want to be. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to put all the links in the show notes about where you can get the book. When does the book come out, Catherine? May 11th. Yes, yes, yes. And I believe you have some other ways that people can participate with you to deepen in the work. I'll let you share what those are. Well, we do have a book study coming up. We have some celebratory things that we're, we're creating. So I'm going to make sure you have all the links to those so that we okay. can just invite people to whatever they want to participate in. Yes, yes, yes. And um, I think it, just to conclude, I think it'd be really beautiful for people to know, look, at she wrote the book Calling in the One. She wrote the book Conscious Uncoupling and now has revised Calling in the One. Let's get let people in on the bliss state that you're in and your relationship. Yeah, thank you. You know, Calling in the One was written because I called in my first husband, Mark, and we had our daughter, Alexandria. The relationship was the healthiest and happiest I'd ever been in. And as happens with about 50% of marriages, we ended up getting divorced after a decade. Mm -hmm. And that was, of course, a big professional shock. It was quite an interesting mm -hmm. time. But, and I think it really plunged me into a lot of reflection and a lot of growth. The one saving grace was that we did it so elegantly and kindly. Mm -hmm. And that was really the foundation for conscious uncoupling because I'd certainly had my fair of ugly breakups in the past and I knew the difference. Mm -hmm. uh, so I wrote about it and I created this model that has been, I you know, fortunately very impactful in the world. And then after a few years, I decided I wanted to call in the next one mm -hmm. and uh, went through. It's interesting because I think, you know, whenever we go to create something new, it's normal to have doubt. Mm -hmm. I just want to normalize that. Like, gosh, could I really do that? You know, and we all have our reasons why that couldn't happen for, oh, by now I'm in my 60s. That was my big reason the second time around. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, you know how many good men are out there? All the good ones are taken. You know, all of that kind of, but I just... I just set an intention, Gina, and I stayed true to that intention. I love Michael Beckwith's quote, be true to your dreams. Don't look for your dreams to come true. Look to be true to your dreams. Yes. Right? So to generate that future, stand for that future, show up in, in alignment with that future, do whatever you have you can do that's your next step to create that possibility. Mm -hmm. And uh, And I think that 
you know, when we show up that way, I think it tickles God mm. and uh, kind of tempts her to intervene a bit. And and uh, we enter into that realm of magic. And I'm, I'm with this lovely man now. And he is, uh, we have the most delicious relationship. We've been together for two and a half years. We live in this beautiful home up in Berkeley. And uh, I would say our relationship is characterized in large part by laughter. Wow. In large part by laughter. We are like kids. We mm. laugh all the time. Mm. It There's this deep level of acceptance. And it's not because he's the perfect guy and I'm the perfect woman. So there's something even really beautiful about how imperfect we are. And we are in our, you know, in the last third of our lives. So I'm in my 60s. He's in his 70s. We get hysterical laughing about things like forgetting things or, yes. you know, I say, oh, everybody, nobody, nobody tells you how much fun this is, like how hysterically funny it is to like, you know, do all this stuff. And then you get in the car and, oh, I, I left it in our bedroom. Like, it's just ridiculous and endless. And, you know, so it's super fun. And, and I think calling in the one is really at this point is a field because there's so many thousands of people who are in it. It's about, it's about the reclamation that we have the power to create magic. Yes, We have the power to create miracles. All miracles are co-created. Mm. And, and it's also in service to the, the awakening of our power to not just be reactive to how things are but to generate a future that we want for our lives, ourselves, for our families, for our world. Mm-mm. Well, I cannot wait to get my hands on this book. I've obviously devoured the, the first one. And, oh, well, look who wants to come say hello. Well, baby love, it's Catherine Woodward Thomas. Catherine, how are you? Look out for oh, Glenn. So come in at the at the There's the man. Get, yeah, get close to the microphone. There he is. Come, come say are you hi. Are a podcast? Yeah, we are. We are. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. So th- this is this is my anti-brand husband who just <laughs> always <laughs> finds the perfect time and waits. I'm sure that you all <laughs> understand how important Catherine Woodward Thomas is oh. to Gina and Glenn. She was an amazing, an amazing person in the in the beginning of our relationship. We were running into some, oh, I don't know, maybe rough spots, <laughs> if you could call it that. I'd stare out the window, she'd talk, and Catherine would say, what's up, Glenn? <laughs> but I will say the most, the most beautiful thing that you said to me, and I've, I've never forgetten, forgotten it, uh, Glenn, just love her. It's very complex. Mm. And I've never forgotten that. It's it's made all the difference in the world in a relationship. So my hat is off to you, Catherine. Thank and, you, Glenn. It gives me yeah. tears. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. What I remember from that time is because I was so sure how right I was. Catherine, you identified Glenn's intuition. You said he has quite an intact intuition. I was like, what? Him? Alpha male? And um, that has remained to be true. And I've learned to trust that and remembered that throughout the years that his intuition is also spot on. So never forget you being involved with our relationship Mm -hmm. made all the difference in the world. And I really will never forget that. that. Thank you. 
Oh, I'm glad I popped in. (laughs) Can I just get your wallet? (laughs) (laughs) And there it is. All right, well, I'll see you all. That's very funny. (laughs) But you know, can I just end with one thought? First of all, that was lovely. That really touched my heart. Thank you. I really want to invite. Uh, And I think there's mostly women here. I think it's safe to Mm -hmm. say that. And welcome to our brothers. We love you. Conscious Mm -hmm. men coming in and having the courage to be with us. I think it's very important that we, we really examine this myth that we have inherited from our mothers and our grandmothers, that the men need to make more money than us. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of us are hung up on this. That's the hierarchical Mm-hmm. consciousness that somehow you know their value is tied up to money because here's the thing what we have shifted into in this equal partnership is that we are requiring men to be conscious mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. order for men to then catch up because i hear this all the time from women where are the conscious men in order for men to catch up and become conscious they uh they need time mm-hmm they need to be without the pressure of produce, 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 produce. My manhood is on the line. I must produce. And they need to connect with the softer parts of them. They need to connect with the stillness in them. Mm-hmm. They need to connect to their emotions. And so that they mm-hmm. know what's happening inside of them as well as being masters of the external. So I think we have to loosen up and make uh, become conscious about what is the priority. For me, the priority is a man who's conscious, who can really meet me emotionally, who can hear what I'm saying, who can reflect on his own experience, where he needs to grow, articulate that, where he can show up and care for me without that being, you know, somehow emasculating because I have a call for 5,000 people that night, Mm -hmm. you know, and he can serve me. So I think these things are very important. So obviously, you know, we want men who have money handled, Mm -hmm. right? You can say that. I want men who have money handled. They have money. They're responsible fiscally. You know, they're Mm self-responsible. You can say a man who takes care of himself. But this other myth, uh, really examine it. Like, what do you really, what's really most important to you? So that's part of what you're talking about when you're sharing about your own journey, Gina. And I just thought that was a perfect model, perfect moment to model that. Oh, so good. So good, Catherine. It's always such a divine pleasure to have you here on the podcast. You're welcome anytime. Ladies, go buy this book right now. Links are in the show notes. Be a part of anything and everything Catherine offers. Your life will be enriched. So whether it is the book club or whatever she's got going on, her programs are all amazing. I've learned from them all throughout the years. And Catherine, thank you again so much. For thank you, today. sweetheart. Lots of love. Lots of love. Told ya, told ya you'd love it. And how about Glenn's little cameo appearance there at the end? Uh, if you're not watching this on YouTube and you want to catch it there, you can actually see the, the video of it. But thank you so much for showing up for your dreams, showing up for your love life, showing up for totally falling in love with you. You're amazing. And I want you to love yourself the way you want to be loved. I want you to love and take a stand for your dreams as much as I know that you love those dreams inside of you. So if I can be any support on your journey and your process just to surround you with all things positive, 
come join us in the Q Club. It is for all things queen. It is basically like Gina DeVee Netflix meets Food Network meets... It's just an entire social network of high vibe women where you can connect with other super cool women from around the world who are also totally going for their dreams. You can check it out at divineliving.com forward slash Q club. It's totally affordable. It's just a place for unlimited positive programming. There's prayers, there's recipes, there's cooking segments, there's business tips, there's spiritual segments. There's so much there for you to enjoy. So go check it out and I'll see you in the Q Club. All right, my beautiful. I hope that you have loved this episode and it has been a blessing in your life. And If you could use a little extra love and support in sisterhood, I want to invite you to join me in my global community in the Audacity to be Queen free companion course. This is completely free. And when you go to divineliving.com forward slash audacity, you're going to get meditations. You're going to get videos. You're going to get workbooks. You're going to get Q&A call replays with me. It's just a whole bunch of positive programming completely for free. I want to make sure that you have this love in your life. So go get it now at divineliving.com forward slash audacity.